Welcome to episode 168 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. It was August 2015. My wife and I were excitedly expecting the arrival of our first child a few months later. Of course, mixed in with the excitement was nervousness. I didn't have a lot of childcare experience and I knew enough to know I was not prepared. I believed that relationships were going to be the answer to this challenge as they have been for every other challenge I've faced. I looked around my close circle of friends and only one couple had a child. I wasn't gonna get a lot of knowledge and support if I only focused on my strongest links. Being a community organizer at heart, I started a Facebook group for parents with children a few months younger and a few months older than my child's upcoming due date. I seeded that initial group by searching my Facebook feed for friends sharing newborn photos and pregnancy shots. I also posed a question to the group at least three times a week to generate engaging discussions that led to a lot of resource sharing among the members. My wife discovered the real value of the group after our kiddo was born and she was up in the middle of the night breastfeeding while chatting with other new mamas. When our kiddo was just five weeks old, we hosted our first in-person event, a baby clothing swap. Just five families attended. We committed to hosting a monthly event and slowly, over the first year, more and more families showed up and we were quickly outgrowing venues. A year in, we decided to create a separate Facebook group, the Boston Babies and Toddlers Clothing Swaps Group, specifically for families interested in these monthly events. Since January 2017, that group has grown to 6,000 members and in September 2019, a whopping 173 families attended our swap event. Yes, managing this fast-growing community and monthly events takes time and effort but we know that our investment has created an amazing resource that we benefit from tremendously. To think, this all started because I was feeling anxious about being a new parent and went looking for community. Now, we are surrounded by abundance and feel supported by an extended and generous parenting community. Your challenge for this week. Getting a new project off the ground takes a tremendous amount of effort. Consistency is key whether you're starting a new podcast, blogging, or creating a community group. Commit to a regular schedule and expect that it will take two years to get traction. And two years in is the time to dream bigger goals, not slow down. How would you approach solving a problem if you believe that relationships are the answer to every business or life challenge? Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, onto this week's show. Today's guest doesn't waste time, doesn't mess around, and doesn't quit until her clients get results. TV show host and author of Mingle to Millions and Leader Be Led, she is an all-around business-building guerrilla marketer and business strategist. Her entrepreneur journey began when she was eight years old, and she has a unique position on how purpose-driven marketing helps provide her clients with a way to win in all markets, including the ultra-competitive ones. She's an international keynote speaker and has delivered over 1,000 presentations to audiences as large as 30,000. And she loves to share the experience she's gained working with thousands of people to help them attract clients instead of chasing them. She built her business the exact same way she teaches others to build theirs. Please join me in welcoming Cammie Baker. 
Robbie Samuels, I am so excited to be on The Schmooze. Ready to go. Awesome, Cammy. Thank you so much for joining us from your office in Wyndham, New Hampshire. As you know, this is a podcast about building great networks, um, and the context is leadership. And I'm really excited to have you on because you, I've, I've followed your your journey, your career. I've been to your presentations. I've, you've you know, had me on your TV show. I'm excited to be able to return the favor and, and kind of share you with my audience. Since the context is leadership, tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Well, you know, it's funny, as you were reading my introduction and talking about me being an entrepreneur since I was eight years old, I, I, guess, I guess I always had that, that leadership quality even back then. However, I feel like it's really developed uh, when, I, when I jumped into real business ownership when I was 23 years old, I owned a, a really large bar on the beach in Panama City Beach and moved from, uh, from brick and mortar business ownership uh, up to New Hampshire where I got into real estate and network marketing. And I would say really the leadership aspect developed when I was in uh, network marketing because in network marketing, you either lead or you be led. So, um, so that's probably where it really took off. So let's talk a little bit about this. Uh... That's eight years old. Like, you know, that's really interesting. Well, I, I have a similar story. Like I, I was being very entrepreneurial at a very young age. So what were you into back in, the, in that time frame? You know, when I share this story, people will say, how did you even think of that? And I always think, how can you not think of this? But I remember when I was eight years old, the kids at school all wanted gum. They all wanted gum and candy and they all had a couple of quarters in their pocket So somehow or another, I figured out, well, if I go get some gum and I bring it to school, I can get those quarters out of their pocket. And this was back when you could get the packs of Big Red with five sticks and you could get a a whole pack of those, 10 of those packs for a dollar. So I would turn around and sell the pack that cost me 10 cents for 25 cents and, you know, was just started making money. And then as I made money, I started being a loan shark and I understood that if I didn't hold something that was important to them, they may not give me my money back. So I learned about collateral and high interest way back before I knew what those words were. It was just a natural occurrence for me. Wow. I mean, up until the loan sharking, I, I had a very similar story. <laughs> I know um, I was a little later. I, I actually got in trouble in grade school. Um, there was these little baseball plastic hats that came all the different team logos and you would like, I guess, ter- serve ice cream in them or something. Somehow my dad got a bunch of them and I, I actually got in trouble for selling them. But when I got home, I wasn't in trouble. <laughs> my dad was like, good. That was good. Um, next time, do it like this. And so by the time I was in co- high school, I, I mean, I had a bagel business. I was selling bagel sandwiches. It all started with gum initially. Yeah, agreed. Like the supply and demand feature. How do people not see that? So so, Cami, how would you define leadership then if you, as you were thinking about sort of your role in the world and how you would like leaders to be? Well, you know, it's interesting. My first book is Mingled to Millions, subtitled The Art and Science of Building Business Relationships and Mastering Referrals. And the second book that I've been diligently thinking about, praying about, and sitting with, and, and saying that I'm the author of is Lead or Be Led. And so, with Lead or Be Led, I talk about in the book, the four categories of leading from my perspective. Number one, you got to know how to lead yourself. So lead the one. And then there's lead the movement, which is the purpose-driven marketing that I talk about. 
There is lead the room, which is whether you want to get on a stage and physically literally lead the room, or if it's even just walking into a space and owning your space and being so confident and poised and polished that people are just attracted to you. And then also lead the conversation. So when you say what does leadership or what does being a leader mean to you, I have all these different ways of looking at it. And God knows leading a conversation There is a skill to that, and it is sorely missing in so many people's um, arsenal of communication techniques. It is just, as a matter of fact, right now I'm doing the seven reasons why asking questions will double your relationships, whether they're personal, dates, business, referrals, leads, clients, because if you're not asking questions and just making a statement, the conversation comes to a dead stop. So let's learn to lead the conversation, because if you're not leading, you're being led. Yeah. I mean, it is true in this Facebook world, we've kind of forgotten how to do a lot of those sort of more face-to-face techniques. I mean, you and I are of an age where I remember, you know, pre-cell phones, pre, you know, all these internet things. Like we actually knew how to have conversation with each other. I even learned how to have conversations with adults at a very young age. And I feel like that's an art form that is kind of going the way of cursive. Um, Most people aren't putting a lot of, you know, thought into it. So I'm glad you're bringing that back and helping us think about questions. Tell me a little bit more about this journey. I, I'm I, so you had a bar, which is very social. So you obviously like it's business. It's social. It's very demanding. You come up to New Hampshire and you get into real estate. And I just wanted to like preemptively say that most of my bad experiences with people who network have been people who have a real estate connection. Mm. <laughs> um, I just recently interviewed a friend of mine who was in real estate for this, and um, and Melanie Swayze is an example of how everyone should be, um, which is why I was so happy to to have her on. But you know, you were surrounded by a lot of people who had maybe not the best practices, who were much more spray and pray in oh. their technique. So, you know, what is it like? You understood the value of relationship building. You knew also how to do it. How did you set yourself apart? in a field or in an industry that does have sort of a negative connotation of people being a little too pushy, but yet genuinely helpful when you need them? Well, you know, as you were saying that, I had a mentor that shared with me many, many years ago, actually in network marketing. He said, Cammie, don't be frustrated by what people do and what they don't do. Be fascinated. Always shift and reframe from being frustrated to being fascinated. So, It never ceased to fascinate me, uh, the lack of ability to communicate with real estate agents. And I'm blonde, so I can tell a blonde joke. And because I was a real estate agent for 15 years and still hold a real estate license, I feel like I can tell you the truth about realtors too. They are some of the most arrogant, uh, entitled, non-communicative people on the planet even in real estate itself, just trying to set up a showing or get feedback or get a contract looked at, it was like pulling teeth, much less if you met them out somewhere and tried to have a a conversation. So to your point, how do you stand out? Well, my friend, it's not hard to stand out when everybody else is so busy hiding out, you know? So all these people that don't know how to communicate, when you actually show up on time, and by the way, on time is 15 minutes early, 15 minutes early is on time, on time's late, late is unacceptable. And 99% of realtors that I ever met, and I've met thousands of them, are late for everything. So just the sheer nature of me being on time for a listing appointment 
half the time I got the listing appointment because I was on time and respectful of those people's time. I could send a handwritten card. I would, I was a prospector. So I would pick up the phone and call expired listings and for sale by owners and vacant property and 1031 tax exchange, et cetera, et cetera. And I still teach agents how to do it today. And when I would pick up that phone and have a conversation, when I got done speaking, the minute I got off the phone, I had a stack of blank cards, uh, you know, uh, thank you cards. And I would write a handwritten note exactly right then in the moment of the energy of what we just talked about. Mary, it was so nice to have a conversation with you. I'm so sorry to hear that John passed away and that's why you're having to sell your family home, but blah, blah, blah. And so I could tell you story after story of people who hired me just because I sent them that handwritten note. And so, you know, how do you stand out in a, in a, in a huge ocean of people in the same industry well, the fact is the 80-20 rule is actually, in my opinion, the 95-5 rule, whether it's real estate, financial advisors, network marketers, restaurant owners, insurance salespeople, 5% of them do 95% of the business and vice versa. So to be in that top 5%, I mean, I kind of hate to say it, it, it's not really that hard because the competition really isn't that tough. And when people use the word competition, I know that they are in the 95% because those of us in the top 5%, I was in top 5% of real estate, of network marketing, and now in coaching and mentoring, simply because I don't use the word competition. I use the word collaboration. Yes, yes. I think this is why I wanted to have you on to talk about all this because it is, it's almost like a mindset difference. And I, I now I have to tell the story. Um, I was at an event where I was really excited to see you speak because this is actually, I think, when we finally met in person, this is back a few years, and you did a great presentation with a ton of really great takeaways. I still have my notes somewhere around networking, different things I, I had thought about, things I hadn't thought about. You have some great analogies, which I'm, I'm really want you to talk about these metaphors and analogies. So, and, and at that same event, a real estate couple came over and the husband talked to me and handed me his card, and I didn't give him mine. And then I moved on to another conversation, and he hung around the edges of that conversation and then awkwardly sort of jumped in and said, hey, can I have your cards? And I sort of reluctantly gave it to him. And then he sent me a malmerged message that at the top had like name, phone number, company name. And like in the phone number field, it had no, no number with like five question marks, which means that in his spreadsheet... <laughs> That's what he had written because I on my business card there's no phone number and it malware that way. And I just was like, oh MG. now his and like my company name is my name. So he like awkwardly wrote something in that paragraph. It didn't make sense. His wife wrote a lovely follow-up message, like a thoughtful, you know, just a thoughtful message. He added me to their list. And after about three months, I finally said, you know, I I never had an interest and I don't know why you're spamming me. And he got insulted. <laughs> and I said, you know, if I had real estate people in my life, like that, I want to refer business to, I, I don't like, you could have been one of those people. Like, like you said, it doesn't take a lot to stand out if that's the norm, you know, it, it really doesn't just, just yesterday, I went to a place where I was doing a presentation and I walked in the venue and I'm carrying my stuff. My arms are full there's a guy that, that just was in the building. He, he was there by himself and he immediately stuck his hand out to shake my hand before I could even put stuff down. 
and I, I, I put down stuff long enough to shake his hand. And then I picked my stuff up and I was continuing to walk. And he literally was attacking me with, what do you do? And I said, and sometimes I say this, Robbie, I know that this really turns people off when I say it, but for him, I just didn't care if I was or not. He was like, what do you do? And I said, well, actually, I help people not attack other people with, what do you do? (laughs) 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 And, and And so he says to me, he says, well, we're in a co-working space and we're supposed to be talking about business. And I looked at him and I just stopped and I said, I know where we are. You don't have to attack the person with the first question, what do you do when they're still walking with stuff in their hands? So I go and I put the stuff down and I, and now he's talking with the guy that I've actually, you know, and doing the, the, the venue with. And, uh, and I said, look, I said, I'm the speaker tonight. I said, I'm, I'm, you know, giving a seminar tonight. And I just, you know, it was just, you were just like right in my face and just, you know, a little, a little, a little word to the wise kind of take a step back, bro. Like you're right yeah. in there, you know? And so when, when he left, the, the guy that runs the venue said, yeah, he's really young and he doesn't know better. And he had, he was talking about another group we know called me and I. And um, so uh, anyway, my friend says, yeah, he's just a little young and overzealous. I said, it's just so common. It is so common. That is all people know how to do. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you so do? Let's you talk do? about <laughs> why I think that this is, that that we you and I would love everyone to stop asking that question. But can you say a few words about why you find that to be a, let's just say, less than helpful question? Well, first of all, I believe that once again, how do you stand out? How can you stand out in any situation, whether it's a networking event, standing in line at Dunkin' Donuts, in a ultra competitive market like real estate or finance or insurance? Well, the fact is, when you say, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? You are just like everybody else that has, that just hasn't been educated. They haven't stopped and thought about it. So first of all, when you say that you blend in your average, your normal, and you're forgettable, first of all. Second of all, when, so when I, a couple of the things that I like to teach people to say is something along the lines of, Hey, uh, what are you working on right now? What projects are you working on? Or I love this one. Tell me something about you that has nothing to do with your work or where you're from. And when I ask that question, and sometimes I'll do it deliberately from the stage with someone so that people can literally watch that person's body language and you can see them stop, look up, look around, which means they're searching their thoughts, they're searching their brain, their mind. And 99% of the time they get a nice little grin on their face and they say, well, my grandkids are in a play and I'm helping them create their costumes or, well, I'm writing a book or I'm remodeling an old car. Like whatever they come up with, the fact of the matter is when they look up and think and when they grin, what you just did was you helped them. I've got goosebumps right now talking about it. You are giving them a dopamine, a serotonin and an adrenaline rush that makes them feel good in the moment. So when you say, what do you do? And that person says, I'm in insurance. Well, you're just like everybody else. There was no conversation there. That's the end of that. It's boring. It just puts us all to sleep. 
But when you give them a reason to talk about something that they are passionate about, not only can you have an interesting conversation, you can be memorable, you give them a little dopamine rush. They may not know it consciously, but subconsciously they think, wow, that person makes me feel good. I like them. Yeah, I always say like if you if you have a, as your goal to make people feel good at the end of your conversation, like your whole goal is to, is to like end on a high note and them thinking positively about you. It's amazing how little you need to say. Like if you ask good opening questions and thoughtful, like not rehearsed, but thoughtful follow-up questions and you wrap up the conversation five, four minutes later, like really quick, they're going to think you're fascinating. <laughs> they, they do. And, and you know, you and I could talk about this for hours, but I always say God gave us two ears and one mouth, two ears and one mouth. Let's use them in proportion. And it is so true that the less you say, first of all, in prospecting, when you're making phone calls or knocking on doors, or what have you, the less you say, the more you make, the more you say, the less you make. So when we can keep it brief and to the point and, and they do all the talking, God, we could go on about this one topic for hours, but when they do all the topping, talking, they think you're interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And then they want to introduce <laughs> you to other people. And like no one ever wants, the guy who attacks you as you're walking in says like, you know, what do you do? Or, or like starts handing his card out. No one says, oh, you know, there's someone I really want you to meet. <laughs> no, one's, no one invites them over to their circle of friends. But if you're that thoughtful person who makes them have that little dopamine rush and makes them feel good about themselves, brings up a fun memory or something awesome that they're doing. I mean, I had this happen years and years ago. This, this reference is from like when I first got to Boston, which is the early 2000s. So I still remember it though. I said, hey, how do you feel your day? And he started talking about his business. And I said, well, if you love what you do, that's great. But if not, like, what are you most passionate about? And he said, opera, in this super excited voice. Now, I know nothing about opera, and it's not my thing. So I just followed up with, really, that is so interesting. Tell me more, which is my go-to when I have no <laughs> idea what to say. And he did. And then I said, well, I know very little. Like, I, I saw La Boheme. Isn't that what Rent was based off? And he said, yes. I said, what else did I see? And he told me. And I said, where would I see it in Boston? And he told me. I said, how did you get involved with all this? He told me. And I said, wow, this has just been so interesting. I'm really sorry. I've got to go check on a friend. And he goes, oh, okay. And he walked away thinking I was fascinating. <laughs> and I saw him standing with a couple of people. I recognized the name of someone he was standing with. And he opened up his body language. He moved and made space for me to join his circle and excitedly said, oh, hey, hey, Robbie, here, meet my friend, and which is what I wanted to do. And he goes, oh, and Robbie does, I'm sorry, Robbie, what is it you do? <laughs> Like he was like so excited to introduce me and then realized, wait, I don't actually know what Robbie does. Well, so, you know. you know, it's funny that you, that you say that because in all of my years of coaching other people on how to network more efficiently and effectively, and, and that's not my, my main topic anymore, but it all, you know, boils down into with, with the coaching and the mentoring. But one of the things I'll share with people is get to events early for a lot of reasons, one of which, first of all, when you're there early, you respect other people's time, you get there early, you can meet the movers and shakers and the leaders and the organizers and the speakers. As a matter of fact, when I was in network marketing, I know that I made hundreds of thousands of dollars from being at every one of those events half an hour early because I helped all the, the people that were making a couple hundred grand a month 
what they were there early and I would sit down with them and they would say, so how's your business? You know, I got millionaire coaching because of being there early, but for the average person to go to the average event early, another one of the reasons is to your point. So when you get there early and you say, Hey, you know, can I help you with, at the, at the sign in table? When you're writing Bob, Mary, Ted, and Alice on people's name tags, or even if you're not at the main table, but you meet people as they're coming in, now as you start meeting people, you can be what I call the unofficial ambassador, and you can start introducing people around. So, and, and this is great for a lot of reasons. Law of Reciprocity says when I do something nice for you, you naturally want to reciprocate and do it for me. And so when I'm at an event early and I start doing this and I introduce Robbie around before you know it, Robbie's introducing me to John and, and, and it just starts to continue on. But the other great thing about it is when you've met all these people and you know their first names, if you are talking to that guy about opera that's really boring the, the dookie out of you and you don't know what to do with him, you can always say, hey, John. John, come over here. You need to meet Robbie. He's awesome. And then you can introduce them and, and uh, just kind of step out and say, you guys have a great conversation. I'm going to go get a glass of water. So it's a great way to also be able to bow out of a conversation because you can introduce and walk away. Yeah, that graceful exit. It's something that everyone should learn how to do. Actually, when I went to your talk, one of the memorable tips uh, was you had a way of talking about the different types of people in a room. Mm. And I, I really want you to share this because, because A, it was memorable. And I think it's helpful for people to recognize where they are because we always think we're doing a great job. <laughs> and it's sometimes useful to realize that when we're talking about these sort of behaviors that need to be remedied, maybe it is you that we're talking to. <laughs> so, so let's see whether you can recognize yourself in any of these different, um, I don't know, archetypes. archetypes yeah. yeah. So, so go ahead. Well, let me give a quick story as to how this all came about, because I think it's, uh, it's great for people to realize sometimes when you have a breakdown, it's a great place for a breakthrough to something even bigger. So when Mingle to Millions was coming out two and a half years ago, maybe a month before we were actually going to press, I was using the word net play. Let's stop networking and let's net play our way to success. Let's play, don't work. And you know, had this whole thing about it. So in the book, net play was in it about a hundred times. And I had put in the paperwork to trademark the word net play. And net play is also in gaming terms, but as a word for business, I was trademarking it. Well, about a week before the book was going to press, come to find out it had already been trademarked by someone else. And that was a big breakdown. I'm like, oh my God, the book's coming out. It's in there a hundred times. What in the world am I going to replace net play with? So I had a friend who was very woo-woo, very spiritual medicine woman. And we have breakfast one morning and I'll never forget. She meets me in the restaurant. She grabs me by the shoulders face to face. And she says, I have a gift for you. Would you like to receive it? And I said, yes, I would. And when she said this word, it really didn't hit me right. But boy, has it opened up to the archetypes that you're talking about and everything. So she says to me, the word is net web. And I thought, net web? I don't get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't like giddy with it. But over the next 24 hours, it all came to play for me. And I'll help now with this analogy as to how to bring NetWeb in. So when we are out at networking events, 
maybe you recognize this, maybe this is you. There is the person who is giving a card to everyone. Here's my card, here's my card, here's my card, take a card. They walk up to the croissant of people, the croissant or the, the bagel of people. They walk up and they give a card to everyone. You don't even know who they are. It's actually quite repelling because they are spraying and praying that someone will call them. And those are the skunks as they spray and repel. Well, then you've also got these people that you see at every event that are asking a card of everyone. You got a card? You got a card? Hey, can I get your card? Let me grab that card. They go around to all the tables and grab a card off the table. The little box comes around the room with everybody's cards and they go through and pick out cards and they leave with this big stack of cards that they squirrel away into their pocket and they go home and put you on their boring email list that you didn't ask to be on. They friend you, but they're not friendly and those are the squirrels. Well, now we've also got the people that we are all very familiar with and all try to avoid at all costs. And those are the ones that dun, 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 try my product, join my business, sign my contract. And the whole time you're talking to them, you can feel they're not even looking at you. They may ask you a question, but then they're looking around the room for their next victim. Maybe they're not smelling enough blood on you and they've got to go find something else. And of course, those are the sharks. So if we don't want to be a skunk or a squirrel or a shark, what do we want to be? Well, I submit that we consider what a spider does because a spider will make connections. She or he will make connections that overcross. There's introductions and just the right form of connections that over a short period of time, there is a net web. And with this net web, when we think about what a, a spider does, a spider sits back and waits for that which she wants to come to her. There is no chasing. There is no sweating. There is no huge effort. There is attraction and there is patience and there is a lot of strategy and savviness with a spider as opposed to all those other types of animals. And I also have noticed to add another S that you've also got some sloths and the sloths are just over in the corner with their phone kind of hunkered down just with their face and their phone and they're not doing anything. They barely woke up. They're, they're just going to go home and go to bed. They're not doing anything. So I am so glad you shared that. And I hope people listening see themselves and the people that they've been in the room with, they now have a different way of thinking about it. We all now know that we should be spiders um, weaving those interconnections and those webs. And, and that actually brought me to ask you, I wanted to ask you about this sort of your, your business has shifted. I, I, I know I pressed you on all this networking tips because that's, I love your content and that, but now you're focusing more on purpose-driven marketing. And I think a lot of what you just described with the spider really kind of resonates with it in a sense that people are, are not chasing they're attracting, people are coming to them. There's a lot of strategy and patience. So tell me a little bit about how, well, how do you define uh, purpose-driven marketing and what are the type of clients you're working with that, that get the value of that? Thank you for asking. So networking wastes time with random activity. All that spraying and praying and squirreling and sharking, wasted activity. Netwebbing leverages our time with planned strategy. And one of the planned strategies is purpose-driven marketing. When we can be on purpose and drive or leverage our business and market with this type of style and strategy, it gives us a way to show up so that we can talk about 
what we're doing in the world as opposed to what we do. And we don't have to be salesy and icky. So I always tell the story of how I learned how to do this back when I was in real estate. I had a 64 and a half Mustang convertible and I did a car show. The very first one had no idea what I was doing, totally ignorant, totally green, just a pretty blonde out in a convertible car, bringing some other cars to a parking lot. And, uh, and I got 50 cars there, but they were all trying to hand us $20 to, to get into the car show. And my assistant says to me, why aren't we taking their $20? And I said, because we're not trying to make a couple hundred bucks. We're here to promote the business. And I mean, I had, you know, the, the radio and all that there. So after the car show, I got to thinking, well, there's a lot of places that do need a couple hundred bucks. So I asked around and I, I found a place called the Live and Let Live Farm, which is in Concord, New Hampshire, and they rescue horses. So for the next seven years, as I did that car show, every year I got better and better at when I was out promoting the car show, the pitch went something like this, whether I was at a networking event, walking into a business, having a conversation. Hey, my name is Cammie Baker. I'm doing this antique car show. All the proceeds go to this place called the Live and Let Live Farm. And we are looking for hot cars. We're looking for people who love cars. We're looking for businesses that want to promote themselves. And of course, we're looking for people who want to help save these horses. They slaughter hundreds of them every year and we're saving their lives. And from this conversation, what I learned, Robbie, was people didn't care so much about Cammie Baker or Remax, but boy, did they love that we were doing something for the horses. And so over time and over the years, it's not just car shows that I've done, although I've done a lot of those. It's, it's the concept and the mindset. How can you strategize getting in front of your perfect client without being salesy and icky, without ever going to another networking event if you don't want to? With being able to meet them where they're at, I call it bridging the humanity gap. So the, the, the companies and the industries that really resonate the best with this, anybody that's in business can do it. But when people have a local audience, a 25-mile radius, any kind of real estate professional, any kind of finance professional, any kind of insurance professional, those are really big industries because it's all their ancillary affiliate and vendor people as well. But when those industries want to have a unique sales proposition, when they want to attract people by letting them know, yes, we're on purpose, we're helping the puppies, we're helping the veterans, we're helping the elderly, this is a powerful way to show up on purpose and actually attract people that want to do business with you. I love it. And I also love that I think that you part of standing out in these very ultra competitive markets is sharing some of your personality. Um, right. Your differentiator is you. And so by picking a cause that you have a personal connection to, so you mentioned veterans, like, you know, if you have a connection to veterans and then that's the cause, and now you're meeting other people who feel passionately about veterans or dogs or LGBT or whatever it is, like you're, you're really like, you're putting out a little flag, a little sign that I'm not just a insurance person, but I also care about horses. And it kind of brings people to you. So it's very, very interesting. Well, and also, 
when it comes to social media, for example, the average person, if you have an open house as a real estate person or you have a new listing, the average person is not going to like, comment, and share. You're not going to get organic growth. You're, it's not going to, you're not going to get green growth from you having a new listing. However, example, a couple of nights ago, I was at an event. I was talking about Realtors for Recovery, which is one of my clients. They are partnered with the Rotary and several other groups in the seacoast of New Hampshire, uh, helping the opioid crisis. So I met this real estate agent as I've met thousands of them over the years. And as we're chatting, I talked about Realtors for Recovery. So when everybody was doing their 30 second pitch, when she stood up, she took my advice and I didn't know she was going to, but she stood up and said, Hey, I've got an open house this weekend and I'm going to buy two tickets to Realtors for Recovery's event that's coming up. And I'm going to auction these off to people who come to my open house. So I said, bravo to you. And the next day I got her on Facebook. I did a Facebook live telling people what she was doing. And I forwarded out the flyer for her open house. And I said, I know thousands of realtors. I would never waste my time forwarding out their open house, but I'm doing it now because she is doing something at this open house that benefits something I'm passionate about. So I want to share it. And this is a great example of how to get 10, 15, 20 people sharing your open house or sharing about your event or inviting people to something because it has something to do with a passion that they can get behind. So as you're saying all this, I'm realizing it also would be a really great strategy for connecting with influencers in any field. So if you, if there's an influencer in your field that you're trying to make connections with, get to know them and what they care about and, you know, participate in ways that makes it visible that you are doing that work and invite them. Um, I mean, inviting them to an event that is related to a cause they care about is a much higher chance of them saying yes or sponsoring or putting or pushing it out to their list, you know, something than, you know, just reaching out to them for coffee. They don't, they don't have time to have coffee with you. <laughs> um, well, last week I did, I was on the panel for LinkedIn Local Boston. And one of the questions that came I saw me, you on Facebook. This is so funny, but someone else was uh, recording it. And I was like, I know that person. <laughs> so funny. One of the questions that was asked of the audience is, how can I, because uh, the panel were people who were, you know, supposedly well-connected and influencers. And so she said, like, for one of you, if I wanted to contact someone like yourselves, how could I get their attention? And to your point, one of the things that I said was, well, go in and it's very easy. Within 30 seconds, you can Google somebody's name and see, do they, do they own a boat? Do they have a dog? Do they have the logo for veterans or animals or something? It's really easy to, to be able to do that. So you could either A, look and see what they're passionate about and reach out and offer, hey, listen, I see you're, you're all about veterans. I've got friends who do things around veterans. I'd love to connect you, blah, blah, blah. Or when you have something that you're passionate about, and I've used this, I mean, Realtors for Recovery, it gives me the opportunity to reach out to any business. It's not just about realtors, but it gives me a great opportunity to reach out to other real estate offices and mortgage and title and insurance, et cetera, to tell them, hey, this is what's going on. You know, here's the event, here's the flyer, et cetera. So it is, it's a great way to break the ice, which is why when I say networking doesn't work because it's random activity, net webbing leverages our time with planned strategy. This is one of those planned strategies to get to the right people. I, I absolutely love this. So um, 
what one of my favorite questions is if we were connecting a year from now and we were celebrating all of your successes, um, what are we going to be toasting? What are the things you're most looking forward to in the year ahead? We would be toasting the fact that I am that I am having that influence in a big way on the world, that I have 100,000 people in a group on Facebook that are all wanting to make money while they make a difference. They're all implementing and aligning that which they are passionate about with their profession. They're all supporting and cross-promoting. One of the things I'm on a big um, high horse about is sponsorship is such a waste of money. Typical sponsorship, here's $500, three months from now, put my logo on your banner at the golf tournament and 200 people see it. It's, it, let's let's shift. Let's not sponsor. Let's learn how to collaborate. Let's learn how to collaborate and cross promote all of our sponsors or collaborators together, so that over the next three months, there's tens of thousands of people who see our logo instead of waiting three months and putting it on a banner for 200 people to see. So a year from now, people would be understanding that and they would be resonating with that and they would be contacting me and saying, "Hey, I'm having an event." I don't want just 200 people to see logos in three months. How do I get seen by tens of thousands of people? How can I help my cause raise 10, 50, 100 times more money because of using a different paradigm shift of thinking and actually collaborating as opposed to having passive sponsorship? That's all amazing. And I can't wait. I know that you and I are going to stay in touch. And at one point, we are going to have this catch-up call. And I'm going to be like, wow. You are, you've got amazing goals and I, I want to be supporting you and cheering you on as you accomplish all of them. How can people find you and, and follow your work? What are some of the things that you want to let people know about? Well, I alliterate everything. So I'm real, raw, relatable, and I'm reachable. I have my business, my phone number on everything, everywhere. But Cami Baker is very easy to Google. As I always say, you can text, you can email, you can Facebook, you can send a carrier pigeon or a smoke signal. You can LinkedIn, you can call. You can actually use the phone as God intended and actually call me. Um, but CamiBaker.com forward slash free is a great way for you to get the seven strategies that will help you to attract, nurture, and convert the right people into the ideal clients using purpose-driven marketing. That's fantastic. What a gift. Thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. So we'll put the link in the show notes and uh, also your LinkedIn, your Twitter, KarenBaker.com will be there, KarenBaker.com forward slash free for that amazing gift and the link to your book as well on Amazon. And um, they will all be available at ontheschmooze.com. Kami, thank you so much. This has been just a, a delightful conversation. I agree. I, I knew from the minute that I met you that we were peas in a pod. We were we were croissants and not bagels. <laughs> <laughs> I know we could do this for hours. <laughs> we could. You you are just a pleasure. And every time I see your face, it brightens my day. Thank you, Robbie. Thanks, Cami. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Cami. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 168. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as over 160 archived episodes in this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. Do you live in the Boston area or know families that do? 
you'll find the Boston Babies and Toddlers Clothing Swap Facebook group at babyclothingswaps.com. That's babyclothingswaps.com. If you want to get in front of 6,000 families in your business, you can contact me to learn more about our sponsorship opportunities. If you enjoyed this episode with Cami, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week. We'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on the way to becoming a successful leader. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.